Well, um, I need to just kind of warn you up front that this morning is probably going to look a little different than what we normally uh, have become accustomed to doing around here. Um, and you can blame God for that uh, because he's really been messing with me this past week. You know, God does that sometimes. He just kind of messes with us. And uh, that's been my experience this past week. We, we're we're going to wrap up this series that we started a few weeks ago that we're calling um, Expect God. And uh, we just, you know, as a way of reminding us, we developed these little bracelets, which, by the way, if you, you didn't get one, you can grab one on the back uh, table when you leave. But they're just uh, meant to serve as a reminder to us that we, we need to live a life of expectancy when it comes to things of God. That um, scripture is pretty clear that there's a, a spiritual principle that much of what we experience in life spiritually is directly related to what we expect to experience spiritually. Jesus said that as your faith is, so be it unto you. In other words, whatever it is that you expect for me to do, it has to begin there. That if you don't expect a whole lot, probably not going to experience a whole lot. And so we are built, we are created, we are designed to live with a spirit of expectancy around the church. We call that faith. But we are designed to live in this spirit of expectancy. And so I really felt for quite some time, actually several months ago, I felt like that God was leading me in this direction to preach uh, on this topic and do a series on this. And so I had everything planned out and, and really, really believed and, and still do that uh, the direction that God was leading me was uh, prayer presence power. <laughs> we have to begin with prayer and really expect God to move in our lives when we pray. Uh, as we do that, we have to expect that as we gather together, as we pray, that we will actually experience the tangible, manifest presence of God. And when the presence of God shows up, he always shows up in power. Uh, God is never void of his power. And so it really felt like that we were to head that direction. And so we, we spent some time talking about prayer. We spent some time last week talking about the presence of God. And so I was preparing this week to talk about power. And I had the direction that I wanted to head. Um, I had pretty much everything kind of laid out. And in the middle of it, God just began to mess with me and said, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do what you were doing. Um, I, I really sense that... Um, God, where God was leading me this morning was, was uh, I, I really, you know, God talks to us. <laughs> and, and I felt like that God talked to me and said, you cannot just talk about my power without giving people an opportunity to experience my power. Don't, in other words, don't make this an exercise of intellectual aerobics and then just send people on their way. <laughs> and so I, I was wrestling with this, and I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna let you into the mind of a preacher, at least this mind, and some of you may not even want to go there because it's kind of scary in there sometimes. But um, the, the, the honestly, just being vulnerable with you, the thought came to mind, you know, when I do what I normally do, I can control things. I know I've got things planned out. I know how things are going to just kind of transpire throughout the order of a service. 
But when God steps in and says, no, I, I, I want to take control, all of a sudden I don't have control anymore. And, and for somebody who likes to have control, that's scary. I know none of you even have a clue what I'm talking about because none of you like to have control, right? But that can be kind of frightening. And so I was wrestling with this. I'm just being honest with you. I was wrestling with God. I mean, I had a, I had a sermon. I had a message. I had a plan. I had a direction. And God was saying, no, here's what I want you to do. And, 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 and you know, speaking, you know, talking, I mentioned earlier, we started this series talking about expecting God when we pray and then we experience his presence. After Wednesday night, and I, I know many of you were able to be here on Wednesday night, and for those of you who weren't able to be here or haven't been able to be here, I don't mean to rub it in, but you are missing out. You're missing out. Um, the first week we gathered together, I think there were about 25 of us that gathered around the altars to pray, and the hour went like this. We had a, a great experience with God. Last week we had somewhere between 35 and 40, and God showed up in an incredible way. I mean, talk about presence, power. God showed up. And, and Thursday I was wrestling with some of this, and Pastor Dustin came in my office and uh, or maybe I came in his, I don't remember whose office we were in, but he, he just said, man, I wish, I've been thinking about last night, and I wish that we could take what happened and what we did on Wednesday night and, and let people experience it on Sunday morning. And he said there was just so much power there, just so, so much presence of God there, and there was a part of me, you know, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, and now God's kind of verifying what he's doing with me through somebody else. Because God speaks that way. The way God speaks to us is by his spirit, through his word, through other people, through our circumstances. And he uses other people to speak into our lives. So I, I, we talked about that. And we, I, finally we said, you know what? Let's just, why don't we come into the worship center here and spend some time at the altar and pray. So we knelt right down here and prayed to pray. And as we were praying, I really, I really felt a confidence that, God, you want me to abandon where I was going to go, be obedient to you, and head the direction that, that you want me to head. And God laid on my heart three people. He said, I want you to call Dan Bohai and your dad and Mark Royer, three pastors who are mentors for me and who have really spoken into my life. So I did. I, I called Danny first, shared with him what was going on. He prayed a powerful prayer over um, me this morning and over you. Um, Friday morning, I called my dad and kind of shared with him what God had laid upon my heart. And, and I told him, I gave him the passage of Scripture that God had laid on my heart, which eventually we're going to get to here uh, but, but I, I shared with him that, and, and he said, you're not going to believe this, but um, this morning uh, at, at 5.30, he, ever since he died um, and came back to life, because that's what happened, my dad had a massive heart attack, and talk about, we're talking about power, and God raised him. When, I was, um, when, when Laura and I got the call that he'd had the heart attack, Laura can vouch for this, I don't, you know, I don't just make this stuff up. But when we were headed to North Platte and we were told he had a massive heart attack, along the way, we stopped at a rest center. And, of course, it was a very emotional time. My mom had said, he's had this massive heart attack. We don't think he's going to make it. And I, I told Laura, I said, he's gone. I think he's gone. I know he's, he's gone. And we began to pray. And there was a whole bunch of people around the world, actually, that were praying on his behalf. 
And he was gone 23 minutes, 23 minutes, no heartbeat. And God brought him back to life. God raised him from the dead. God, miracles happen. <laughs> and God raised him from the dead. And, and ever since then, he, he goes into the hospital every morning. The doctors, the surgeons, they'll, they'll tell you that his surgeon, uh, Dr. I don't know if I should say his name. He didn't watch this, Dr. Markowitz. Um, he said afterwards, you know, we can make up all this kind of stuff and say this is why your dad is alive. The bottom line is God did a miracle. Surgeon said that. Every, every morning since then, my dad gets up at 5, 5.30, something like that. He goes into the hospital and he does this hour-long cardio workout. And Friday morning when I called him, prior to that, he said, I was headed out the door and God stopped me and said, I want you to read before you go. Get your Bible and I want you to read. And God directed him to a particular passage of Scripture. And it just so happened to be the one that God laid on my heart for this morning. <laughs> and and I, was, I was blown away because um, I actually, I actually kind of looked this up this, mor- or, uh, this week, but um, there are 929 chapters in the Old Testament. And there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. So uh, 1,189 chapters in the Bible. So what are the odds that my father would be reading the chapter that God directed me to call him to talk to him about that I felt like that God wanted me to share with you this morning. See, I'm sharing this with you because I want to increase your faith because I believe that where God wants to take us, it's going to require, we're talking about expectation, it's going to require great faith. And so, um, you know, I, I want you to have this deep sense of expectation this morning. Because again, as your faith is, so it will be unto you. And so I called, you know, I called Danny, I called my dad, I called Mark, and every single one of them said, man, this is a God thing. Every single one of them has prayed for you, and they are praying for you this morning. They're praying for us together this morning. Uh, Yesterday at our men's breakfast, our men gathered together, and in in the time of our prayer together, without having any idea what God had laid on my heart, they prayed the direction that we're headed this morning. See, God works that way. He works in the hearts of, of other people. One, one, one of the individuals, when they prayed, said, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be released on your people tomorrow. <laughs> See, when we talk about power, what we're really talking about is the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. And so this past week, as I was praying about what God would have me share with you this morning, he directed me to Acts chapter 1. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open them up there this morning. Acts chapter 1, and this, this happens right after um, Jesus has been crucified. His disciples took his body and they placed it in a tomb. Uh, this next week, one of the things I'm looking forward to is to be able to actually look in that tomb. Uh, right after the service, I'm going to bug out of here as quick as I can. Laura and our daughter Sigrid is here, and we're going to join uh, Bev and Jerry Clark and a group of about 60-some other people, and we're flying to the uh, Holy Land, and we're going to be in Israel for 10 days. And one of the things I am looking forward to, I've always wanted to peer into that empty tomb myself with my own eyes. <laughs> and, and the disciples, they took Jesus' body, they put him in an empty tomb. Of course, you know, because he is God... The tomb couldn't hold him. 
And so three days later, he rose up from the tomb and he defeated death and hell and sin and the grave forever. That's why we're here this morning. And then he appeared to his disciples and he appeared to several people over the next 40 days. The risen Savior appeared. In fact, one time he appeared to a group of something like 500 at one time. And these people became his witnesses that he really was who he claimed to be, that he is the Son of God, that he is a risen Savior who took the sin of the world upon himself and defeated it on the cross. And he defeated death and hell and the grave. And, and then Jesus, on one occasion, when he was meeting with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he tells them, he says, do not leave Jerusalem but wait. If you've got your Bibles and you've got a pen, circle that word wait. Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Circle the word gift. He said, wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, earlier in John chapter 14, when Jesus was trying to help his, his followers understand what he had really come to do, and he, he would, on, on several different occasions, he talked about the fact that he was going to be taken, he was going to be bound, he was going to be crucified, but three days later, he would raise from the dead. And in John chapter 14, he's trying to give them a, this assurance, and he tells them, it's going to be better for you if I go. Because if I go, then I'm going to go to my Father and I'm going to ask him to send you an advocate who is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it's going to be better for the Holy Spirit to be here with you because he'll be able to be with all of you. I have come in, in this, I am fully God, I am fully human, but I can only be one place at one time. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will dwell within you. He won't just be with you, he will be in you. And then Jesus says, he says these incredible words. He says, and, and, and when he's in you, you will be able to do the things that you've seen me do. Now, now how can that be? I mean, this is the same Jesus who everywhere he went, he healed sick people. This is the same Jesus who he cast out demons. This is the same Jesus who on several occasions he actually raised people from the dead. And Jesus says, you, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be able to do these things that I have done. And then he says, not only that, but you will do even greater things. I'm just telling you what, it's in the book. It's in the book. And so how can that be? Let's look at Acts again, chapter 1. Acts 1.8, Jesus says. He, told, he tells them in verse 4 and 5 to wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon them, this gift that he's going to send to them. And then verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Underline, circle, star, that word power. You will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Underline that word witnesses. That's an important word. We'll talk about that in a moment. In Jerusalem and in Judea and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen. It is impossible to be full of the Holy Spirit and not have his power functioning within us and released out of us. It is impossible for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not have his power at work within us and functioning out of us because it is his nature. It is who the Holy Spirit is. He is power. That's why in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus told his followers to remain in the city until they were, he said, you will be clothed with power. Jesus knew that when he left, it would be impossible for his followers to live the life that he had designed them to live, that he had called them to live without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them. Well, guess what? Nothing has changed. It is impossible for us to live the lives that God designed us to live, created us to live, void of the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Impossible. The, the early church was a church of power. The, the difference between Peter and, 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 and early, you know, when Jesus was arrested, the difference between Peter in front of the servant girl, when he's saying, I have no clue who that guy is, and then calling down curses from heaven, the difference between that Peter and the Peter that stands up in front of a crowd and says, you know what, not only do I know who he is, he's God, you guys killed him, and you need to repent. The difference between the first Peter and this Peter is an experience with the Holy Spirit that filled him with power. The, the difference between the disciples in John uh, or in Mark where, where uh, Jesus, the, they, the people come to Jesus and say, hey, we, we brought this demon-possessed person to your disciples and they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus says, oh, you wicked and adulterous generation, how long am I going to have to put up with you? And Peter walking along and his shadow falling on people and they are healed, the difference between the disciples then and after was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They had received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Paul says, he, he says, he, he wants to remind the people. In 1 Corinthians, he says, um, you know, I didn't come to you with just a good sermon. I'm not just, I'm just not, I'm not just, you know, it's not that I'm really articulate. It's not that I'm persuasive and I persuaded you, but no, I came through the power of the Spirit. It wasn't what I said. It was who was behind me and who was speaking to your hearts. Man, this is, what a relief for me. I don't have to pre preach a great sermon. I just have to ask the Holy Spirit to show up. Because it's not by persuasive words. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And folks, this morning... That same power that was at work in them, Scripture teaches us that it is available to every believer who receives and is filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that same power. The power to live free from the control of the tyranny of sin. We don't have to be bound by sin. 
We don't have to sin in thought, word, and deed every day, like some would have us to believe. I mean, come on. If the power of God was enough to raise Jesus from the dead, then why would we fall into this trap where we don't believe that he's powerful enough to keep us from living a life of sin? Which one is greater, raising somebody from the dead or helping us to live the way he asked us to live? The power of the Holy Spirit helps us to live above the tyranny and free from the control of sin in our lives. It's the power that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to be his witnesses. Jesus said, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You will receive power. And then he says, and then once you receive that power, you will be my witnesses. That word witness in the original Greek, it's the word martyr. Same, same word we get martyr from. He's saying when that, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he is going to give you the boldness, the courage to be able to stand even in the face of death and proclaim this is who Jesus is. That, that's why Peter, when he was arrested, he could stand in front of the Sanhedrin. And before he was afraid for his life, now he's empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know what? Jesus was God. You guys killed him was the power of the Spirit, to be a witness. And, and listen, we, we may not ever have to be in that place. I mean, we have brothers and sisters all around the world who live in this reality every day and are empowered by the Spirit, and they become witnesses. And every place where their blood is shed, the gospel advances because people look and say, what is happening here? There's a power that is released. We may not ever experience that. But all of us are called to the point where we are willing to lay our lives down and die to ourselves so that we can be empowered and filled by the Spirit. He gives us the power to do that. It's by His Spirit. It doesn't come from us. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's, it's the power, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, where we, we are able to lay hands upon the sick and declare healing over people. Man, we've forgotten that. Listen, this, we're not talking about, you know, weird, hocus-pocus stuff. We're just talking the Bible. I was reminded this past week, I was praying about this, and, and actually, as my dad spoke to me, there, there was a passage of Scripture I had read that morning. I had, had also, I'd been in Acts, but I had also been in Genesis, and I was reading about when Isaac came back to the land of Abraham. One of the first things that he did was he redug the wells that Abraham had dug and the Philistines had filled in. And God reminded me during this, and my dad was talking about, he said, man, what you're talking about, Doug, the Church of the Nazarene, which we're a part of, never would have even survived if the people weren't committed to prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're redigging some wells that in many places have been long forgotten. This is our heritage. This is the people that God has called us to be. It's not weird and out there, but it is supernatural because God is a supernatural God and the supernatural is just natural for him. Right? 
I mean, if we're going to gather together in a place and believe that God can take and he can take and he can take our sin that's been nailed to a cross and cover it by the blood of Jesus, and because of that, we'll move from death to life, from hell to heaven, then why is it hard to believe that he would touch somebody and heal them? It's a work of the Spirit. It's that same power. It's the power that Jesus said that he would give us to cast out demons, to cleanse the lepers, and even raise the dead. Man, I never, you know, I never would have believed that. My dad, again, is a living example of that. Don't dismiss it. In fact, it's impossible, I believe, for the church to accomplish her mission without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. We'll never see an explosive move of God like the many moves that have happened down through history, moves that transform a church, moves that transform a city without the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And my prayer is that we will determined that we will not be a church like Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, that holds on to a form of godliness but denies the power therein. That's a tendency of churches, you know. Paul talked to the church of Galatians about that. You've, you've lost your first love. You've lost your focus. And you, you started in the spirit, but now you're operating in your own human abilities. Man, I said this before. I know what I can do. We know what we can do. Let's see what God can do. I want to I be a part of what only the Holy Spirit can do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And as I read through the book of Acts and the entire New Testament, really, I'm reminded that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 that we need to continue being filled with His Spirit that we are filled and we are continually being filled. Why? Because we are intended to be conduits for which the Holy Spirit flows out of us. It's not just about us. We are filled, we are empowered to be his witnesses. And so as he fills us, it flows out of us into the places that we walk into. We are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And we are to infect. I mean, there's a bunch of this, you know, sickness going around and flu and colds and all that kind of stuff. And you get around somebody who's got it, then you get it. That's what's supposed to happen with the gift of the Holy Spirit. That because he dwells within us, he lives within us, he works through us, that we don't hide that fact. That when we come in contact with people, we allow him to work through us however he sees fit. And it begins to affect their lives. We are to be conduits of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. I mean, it makes you act crazy. Don't do that. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The original language kind of leads us to this place. Paul is saying, instead, just keep on being filled with the Spirit. Just keep on doing that. Allow that to empower you. Allow that. See, see, just like when people drink alcohol, it changes their behavior, it changes the way that they act. Some people, you know, when they drink, they get really bold. They, I, you guys know me, and years ago I used to drink, and I, I, am, I hate confrontation, but I'd drink and I'd want to fight. 
It changed who I was. Guess what? The Holy Spirit, when we get full of him, he will change who we are. He'll change the way we behave. He will empower us. We will just power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we need to continue being filled by the Spirit. So I've been meditating on this passage of Scripture this last week. There are three words that popped into my mind and my heart. I haven't been able to shake them. And they're the words expect, experience, and exercise. Expect. We've been talking about that for several weeks. We just want to expect God to move. We just want to expect. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem or stay in Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. I have to believe that there was this incredible sense of expectation for the people in that upper room. That's another place we get a visit. We get to go up in the upper room where the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just have, I've tried to put my, my, myself in that place and think about it. I mean, they had to be in there with this great sense of expectation. They're like, man, man, we're waiting. Jesus said he's going to give us this gift. It's the Holy Spirit. We don't even know what that is because they hadn't experienced it yet. We don't even know what that is, but all we know is Jesus said that once we receive it, then, then it's gonna, he's going to empower us to be able to live like Jesus lived. You can't tell me there wasn't this great sense of expectation. Experience, Acts chapter 2, the experience came. We're told that the, the Spirit came and descended on, ascended on them and, and like tongues of fire and it rested upon them and they were empowered and they began to speak in other languages. They began to speak in these tongues and everybody that was around witnessed it and said, wow, we can hear what, what's going on with these guys. Something has happened. They've experienced something because we are hearing them talk in our own languages. There was this experience that happened, and then they exercised it. They implemented it. They put it to use. They allowed the Holy Spirit to make them his witnesses as they stood, and Peter got up. This is, this is crazy. Peter basically preached a four-point sermon that was about five minutes. I know y'all would love to have him be your preacher, but he preached like this four-point sermon that basically was hey, uh, Jesus was God, you guys killed him, he didn't stay dead, repent. And 3,000 people joined the church that day. Why? Because he had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and he was releasing that in to the people that were around him. As, as I was thinking about that, there, there were three more words that kind of were related to those and they were, Release, receive, release. R release, that God wants to release his spirit upon us. He's done that. Receive, we have to receive it. We have to be expecting it in order to receive it. I I'm convinced that even this morning, the Holy Spirit could come and move in a mighty way. And if you're not expecting it, if you're not looking for him, if, if, that you could totally miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. We, we, we don't want to be asleep. Dustin and I were talking the other day about taking a trip. And it'd be so easy to, you know, I love going to Colorado where my in-laws live. And it's so beautiful there. But Laura drives a lot of times when we travel and 
If she was driving, we could be driving through these incredible mountains. If I'm asleep, I would miss all the majesty and the beauty of that experience. I got to be awake. I got to be looking to experience what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And then once, once I receive it, it's given to me to release it. Release, receive, release. Expect, experience, exercise. Listen, we need the infilling, indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come. As I read through the book of Acts, after that initial infilling where, where the Holy Spirit came and rested on them like tongues of fire, as I read through the book of Acts, I read about instances where the, the disciples would come to a place and they had heard about John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. And they had been baptized, they had repented of their sins, they had been forgiven of their sins, but they had not yet heard, heard about the releasing of the Holy Spirit. And those disciples, they would take and they would lay hands upon individuals and by the laying on of hands, there would be an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now listen again, we're not, we're not talking about hocus pocus, magic. That's not what this is about. But this is part of who we are called to be. We've lost some of that. I was thinking back this last week. Pastor Dustin has experienced this. I have experienced this. Pastor Justin has experienced this. But... There came a point in time in our lives where I remember, Laura and I were talking about this a few days ago, but in Kansas City at College Church of the Nazarene, Laura and I came before a group of people and we knelt at an altar and a general superintendent laid his hands upon us and he imparted into us what it was going to require for us to be pastors and ordained us as pastors in the church. They did it by the laying on of hands. Somebody, and, and Dr. Graves was the general superintendent that ordained uh, me, and he shared about the general superintendent who ordained him and the general superintendent who ordained him and him and him and him that led all the way back to John Wesley, who's a founder of our church. <laughs> there, there was this transference at the laying on of hands. I don't understand it. But if the Bible says it, I want to walk in it. And so here's what I really felt led to do this morning. We need in our individual lives and corporately, we need to be filled. We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I, I want to do. This, you know, it's not going to be weird or anything like that. It's going to be powerful. But I, I want to pray for you. And the band's going to play. And, and we've made room up here. But if you're here this morning and you're hungry, 
you just are tired of doing it on your own. And the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart. And you know that he is when there's like, you know, that feeling in your stomach and the anxiousness and this this prompting, this compelling. And I'm going to invite you to come. And I want to anoint you with oil and I want to pray. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you this morning, a fresh baptism, a new baptism, a new infilling. And, 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 you know, what we're doing here, we're not, we're not seeking an emotional experience. We're just trying to follow Scripture. It may be emotional because God created us as emotional beings. <laughs> and, and there are some marks of being filled with the Spirit. John Wesley, when he shared his experience, he said that my heart was strangely warmed. <laughs> And I had this assurance that just flooded my heart, this assurance of my salvation that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was God's and he is mine. In Acts, in Acts a couple of the marks was, one, there was this, this outpouring of praise. I mean, they began to speak in tongues, and so that's one of the forms of just adoration and praise. And so there was this, this heart of thanksgiving and this outpouring that came And the second mark was obedience. That they listened to what the Holy Spirit said and then they just obeyed. That's why when when the uh, disciples were arrested, Peter and John, Peter and and the, the Sanhedrin said, hey, don't talk about this anymore. They said, listen, we know you're the guys who killed Jesus, but we just can't help ourselves. We must obey God rather than man. There was a boldness and a courage that was given to them. Now they still had to exercise their will but they were empowered. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do. I want to invite everybody here to stand. And and, uh, I'm going to invite you this morning as the band plays, if you would like for me to pray for you, it would be my honor to do that this morning. I'm going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. But I invite all of us to be in a spirit of worship. Before we do this, Holy Spirit, We know that you're here because you promised that you would be. You live within us and you've been poured out upon us. And so we don't have to question the fact, are you here? This is a, what, what, we're, what we're doing here is a step of faith. We are called to live by faith and not by sight. To operate under what we know is true, not just what we see. And so would you... Would you honor your word this morning? You said that you would, your spirit, that you would be poured out upon all people. Young men would dream dreams and old men would see visions and people would speak your word boldly, that they would prophesy, that you would empower us to do what we could not do in our own humanness. And we're praying for that kind of anointing today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you want to be if you want to be prayed for anointed then I invite you to move You spoke the word and there were mountains You spoke the word and there were waves 
hovered over all creation even now the earth obeys that same spirit given to us so that we would know the power of your love that same spirit pour into us there is nothing more One last breath and it was finished. One last breath and it was done. By your spirit, death defeated. I'm forgiven by your blood. That same spirit to us so that we would know the power of your love that same spirit pour into us there is nothing more we need you are
that if we would pray and we would see and humbly lay our lives down at your feet that you would bring us to a place where earth and heaven meet for your glory make us holy so we have come to kneel before your throne with faith and confidence in you Bring it away, can you? Come and consume us with. 
Consume us with your power, Jesus. We 